0: And it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hey,
1: Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at Petsure for their awesome free webinar series.
2: Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in (laughs) P-A-W-S?
1: I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. It certainly did, mate. But seriously, the Pet Show webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets. Very topical and
2: essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world.
1: Indeed, mate. And for vets as well.
2: Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called setting up your new pet for success. And here's one that's really important. Helping pets avoid separation anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, mate. Love that. Anything on behaviour. That's absolute gold.
2: Oh, mate. It's all gold, gold, gold for PetShaw here.
1: And you know they're presented by PetShaw's chief vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also, they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. What?
2: Oh, C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. <music>
1: G'day everyone. Dr. Lewis Kirkham here and welcome to a special episode of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. To celebrate Vet Tech Week in America and Vet Nurses Day in Australia on Friday the 9th of October, Dr. Robbie Anderton and myself have joined up with several Vet Nurse and Vet Tech podcasts as a tribute to the often unsung heroes of the veterinary clinic. Those techs and nurses are often the first to be bitten or scratched, or take that distressed phone call from a worried owner, or even deal with a cranky, stressed vet. They're often overworked, underpaid, underappreciated and hungry, but never hangry as they're very good at keeping their cool. Us two vets would like to thank all vet nurses and techs worldwide for their dedication and care they show to your pets on a daily basis we dedicate this special collaboration episode to you and a quick thank you to our sponsors zilkin the mild anxiety lowering medication and also the wonderful pet food brand delicate care okay let's get on with the collab and roll the tape
3: everybody. Welcome to, well, a lot of podcasts, actually. Uh, This is our follow-up sort of episode. We did one with COVID. Now we're doing one kind of as a COVID update, but also uh, celebrating Vet Tech Appreciation Week. Um, I am Yvonne Brandenburg, and uh, Jordan Porter and I, we are part of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. And then we also have Let's see. (laughs) Let's go to the next. one. Dave, you're next to me. So, uh, Dave, you, you, you can go now.
4: (laughs) We are part me me and Jeff are part of the vet tech cafe. Our, our, our podcast is posting every other Sunday, sometimes a little bit extra uh, when we have our vet tech tap room, that's where we, we kind of let loose. And it's just, he and I chatting, but we're, we're happy to be here and happy to give this update to everybody.
3: Uh, I will say Lewis, you're, you're under Dave in my picture on, on my zoom screen. So you're next.
1: <laughs> so yeah, my name is uh, Dr. Lewis Kirkham. I do a podcast with uh, my colleague, Dr. Robbie Anderson called uh, Two Vets Talk Pets, and we're coming all the way from Melbourne, Australia enduring the supposedly one of the longest lockdowns of COVID that's in known to mankind may or not be true.
3: <laughs> yeah, and no, it's true.
1: It's true.
3: Um, and then uh, I've got Cat next on my screen.
5: I'm Kat Robinson and I have a podcast called Radio Vet Nurse. It's usually just me flying solo with a guest released every month. And I've had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of the other podcasters um, in this group today. And it's, yeah, it's nice to be in a, a group setting. I'm in far north Queensland, so I feel really bad um, for Lewis and Robbie down in <laughs> Melbourne because um, we've not been locked down and it has been hot and sunny. So I've been trying to keep that off of social media for my friends down south.
1: Nice. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's
5: right. Did I see you down at the St Kilda Beach um, at all those rays with all the other uh
2: the young people down there on Friday night? you know, you're sort of you know, as, you know, just throwing in the face of uh, all the lockdown rules we have here in Melbourne. Were you out there in the in the fluorescent shirts and stuff?
1: Well, it's amazing for um uh, like uh for the American listeners, is yeah, certainly St Kilda Beach is a big it might be a known area backpack area in Melbourne. I don't know if you guys have heard of it all, but down there now we're allowed to have picnics and there are, but you're only allowed to have, you know, you've got to be a meter and a half from other people having picnics. So all over the the grass areas, massive grass area, there are big 1.5 meter circles for everyone to sit and, and have picnics. Oh, no. And it's, it's like someone took a drone shot and it's like crop circles. And with all these people just sitting <laughs> in their little, yeah, you know, individual nice. thing. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing.
3: All right. Well, be, before we keep going, cause we're we're all talkers obviously we have podcasts um, last but definitely not least is tasha miss tasha
6: hey guys what's going on i'm tasha McNerney, and i host the veterinary anesthesia nerds podcast which is a case-based podcast where we talk about how you treat certain um, disease processes and how you would do anesthesia safely on a various different things um I would love to tell you exactly when we drop our podcast every week, but with a crazy work schedule and homeschooling a third grader, I have no agenda and I don't know. It just kind of comes out whenever. So for us, whenever. (laughs) Hashtag Uh, mom life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we uh, so we're all on Zoom, obviously, um, for multiple reasons. First being, we're all in very different places in the world, but also because of COVID. Um, so, yeah, shout out to the moms in this group. I think, uh, I think Jordan, Tasha, and Kat, you guys are all moms mm-hmm. dealing with mm-hmm. trying to be teachers.
5: How
3: yeah, about the dads? Are the dads <laughs> also teaching right now?
1: uh yeah i am i got two, i got two at home one goes back to school not this week next week um but yeah homeschooling two teenage daughters is fun with uh all the attractions that screens provide when you lock yourself in your bedroom yeah it's not not, not easy
7: well not to mention like i have a nine-year-old daughter and the attitude i get now <laughs> let alone when they're teenagers like i can't imagine like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just worry it's a whole generation raised by potentially um, alcoholic
0: teachers. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
7: Me yesterday, I think, I don't know, it was probably like 10 a.m. and I was like, we had only been working for like an hour. We got a late start because I was like, let's do donuts for breakfast. I was trying to be a cool mom and then we got like an hour in and I was like, all right, I'm done. Like I'm I'm over it. Like we're done for the day. I was like, it's just
5: last dismissed guys. Yeah,
7: exactly. My daughter was like, see my daughter is like the good child. Cause she was like, no, I'm going to go ahead and finish. And my son was like, Nope, cool. Can I have your phone? I was like, okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys are dealing with it. Um, I, I feel like I am very fortunate that I do not have kids. It uh, reconfirms the reason I don't want to have kids. Cause Oh my God, it's so much work. I hear from, well, I hear <laughs> poor Jordan's struggles as well as some of my other friends. And I, I don't know how you guys are surviving that plus, I think everybody's still working full-time, right? Everybody's back in clinic? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah,
7: Working full-time, yeah. side Ooh. business, teacher, mom, <laughs> right? right. Mm, all, yeah. all the various hats. Yeah. Absolutely. My, the side gigs to make sure I don't have to pay for my kids to go places for school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, the barter uh, system. Yeah, That's I was going to say,
3: I think this is probably the thing that, has probably affected all of us the most during all this. Cause I've, I remember when we were talking the last time about COVID, it was businesses are going to shut down. We're laying off people. We're furloughing people. How are we going to survive the pandemic? And um, I believe we were proved completely wrong. Um, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I know my clinic is definitely the busiest I think it has ever been. Um, yep. Does that
2: sound kind of right around
6: the world?
2: Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and not only busier, which is then a really, like, how do you read the tea leaves on that? You know, there's a pandemic going around, you know, in humans. So why is it that then suddenly vet clinics are a lot busier? It's not like our animals are getting sicker the amount of disease that's out there is going to be the same as what it was pre-pandemic but absolutely I think it's just that people are noticing it more and people are spending more time with their animals um but yeah it's been it's been busy but then added on to that the inefficiencies that are um inherent in trying to provide what here we in Victoria call a COVID safe work environment um that it makes Mm. it um yeah, yeah, it makes it tough. So yeah, we're busier and yet less efficient, which is an awesome combo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because uh, Robbie, Lewis, and Kat, you guys are all in general practice, right? That's right. And I think the the rest of us are all in specialty. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
3: yeah. So um, I know for specialty, I, I think it's a little bit different for us um, because – I know I talked to my, my friends that are RNGP, um, their appointments pre-COVID were like 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> um, whereas my specialty appointments for like a consult is an hour. And so I feel like for my situation, it's affected me, but I don't think it's affected me nearly as bad, I think, as like a general practitioner. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that.
7: Now, my question for GP, though, is like, are you seeing more sick patients because people are noticing or are you actually still getting more like even vaccine appointments because people are home and they're remembering like, oh, you know what, like, I'm home, let's do this and let's Mm -hmm. update our vaccines and get more. Like, are you seeing more of the routine appointments than you think you normally would because people are also home to remember it?
5: perhaps more routine appointments, because there's been an increase or an uptake in animal ownership. There's been a lot of people um, getting puppies and getting kittens because they will be home and able to spend the time with them. So um, what do you think, Lewis and Robbie?
1: Uh, look, I yeah, certainly getting a lot more kittens and, and people adopting new dogs, but we're sort of trying to put, well, we're doing obviously kitten and puppy vaccines. We're trying to put off older dog vaccines a little bit but certainly we're seeing a lot of sick animals it's really weird Mm. like you know and difficult sick cases too sometimes that um as gp we send them off to you guys to to deal with the special (laughs) special guys so yeah not just
7: like the ear infections but like actual like difficult diseases yeah yeah
1: yeah
5: Things are changing for these animals too, because they're, if the owners are only able to go out to exercise once or twice a day, then we've got uh, some dogs that are being taken out for regular walks that haven't been walked or run before. So, you know, maybe more cruciate tears and things like that. But also if people are home and feeding animals weird things all day, we're going to see more pancreatitis and more disease uh, associated with obesity and, um, you know, increased weight. So the home environment, I guess, really shifted for a lot of these animals.
3: I think too, um, some other th- points that I've noticed is one, this is kind of the silly one is that people are home and they're like staring at their animals cause they love them. And they're like, Oh, what are you doing? And you're like, they sleep all day. Well, you used to be at work and yes, they slept all day before. Um, but I also think the stress level I think is also affecting pets. Um, especially cats. I feel like, um, we see, you know, fluted obviously um, if, if there's stress in the environment that that affects them too so I wonder if it's also stress that's making some of our patients sicker as well I don't know
8: it's yeah I, I, I can definitely say that like in our ER the exotics certainly follow that line uh, as, as far as like owners being home to stare at them um, I mean I feel like we're seeing more exotics for sure. Like our exotics department has been running Mm -hmm. with their hair on fire for like eight months because, you know, so often as unfortunate as it is, they would just come home from work and they'd be dead. Whereas now they're home and they they do something about it before it gets to that point. Uh, They still come in very, very sick, but the, the percentage of, exotics of our overall cases is, I mean, it's still like, you know, it's not even 10%, but whereas it used to be two or 3% to our ER, now it's like seven or eight or nine. I mean, it's two or three fold through our ER, which for a group of people who may or may not be well-trained in exotics, um, you know, again, just adds to that level of stress, 100%.
7: Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I didn't think about that. But I imagine too, like, once things do get back to normal, that it's also going to be a huge shift for our dogs and cats again. Like, I know my dog has been reading my anxiety like crazy and she lays with me and she's become more anxious that I'm curious to see how these dogs do when, if they do have those owners who are home all the time.
8: Absolutely, Joan. Cats are going to be so happy when everybody goes back to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
7: Cat, cats are going to be
2: happy, and we're currently stockpiling uh, fluoxetine at our clinic, ready for the uh, ready, ready for the uh, you know, the, the inevitable. Yeah, you know, stressed dogs. Oh, absolutely, anxiety. we just got we got we a shed out the back, and we just we just we're blowing it up. We're getting all this. Um, yeah. Know, it's, I wouldn't say illegal full oxygen, but you know it's just, just colourful, you know. No, no. Um, no, it's um, like Lewis and I've been talking about it, um, on our pod, and uh, it is going to be horrific when people go back. The amount of, um, yeah, the, the thing that worries me is the number of dogs, these COVID puppies, that are picked up, that are then going to be surrendered because of, um. You know the anxieties and the the lack of socialization that people haven't put in um mm. and uh and yeah yeah people unfortunately often don't listen to us at the best of times and then they only they don't want to hear about behavior things that aren't going to be easily uh easily solved but you know that's why lewis got into behavior in the first place because he loves the easy stuff
1: <laughs> well it is a, it's an interesting paradigm because we actually don't actually know how all these animals Mm. are going to behave. We've never, never done this before. We have no idea. So, Mm. uh, you know, us vets out there, you know, trying to be a bit of a devil's advocate, us vets out there, we're all saying, oh, it's going to be terrible. How are these puppies going to be? We're going to have us home. And then suddenly we're not going to be home. It's going to be horrible, but we don't actually know. Are they just going to go, oh, you know, I mean, 20% of dogs essentially have anxiety issues anyway. So there's already that cohort there, but, is it necessarily going to mean there's going to be 50% of dogs or is it a dog's going to just be really adaptable and adjustable? We just don't actually know. So it's almost like we're performing our own little social experiment, which is yeah, kind of quirky, kind of cool.
5: Lewis, what do you think about um, new puppy owners and I guess the change to the, not being able to attend the first puppy consults, because I know if they're coming at, six to eight 10 to 12 14 to 16 weeks usually those puppy consults and then you know the d appointment there's a lot of face time with the vet where the vet's saying oh, okay well if you want her to not jump up on you when you come into the room here's how to do that and okay if you want her to not eat your shoes here's how to do that and I guess doing consults you know as a curbside service or without the owners in the room there's a lot of that FaceTime that the owners aren't getting i know i've got a friend in melbourne um, who's just got a new puppy and she's been ringing me saying oh we kind of just drop her off for our vaccinations and we don't know what to do she's eating all our furniture and i've been taking them through the puppy preschool course that i used to teach and i've been sending them the you know all the documents and taking them through it but do you think there'll be an impact with missing those face-to-face appointments
1: um, look, as far as puppy behaviours that I guess what owners would call problem behaviours where it's a normal behaviour for a puppy, but owners see it as a problem, that sort of stuff, I mean, majoritively over time as puppies gets older, that's actually goes away. You mm-hmm. know, they stop mouthing, they stop chewing things they shouldn't, they, they get toilet trained eventually, um, you know, it seems like it's an urgency in those first consults and I agree with, you know, certainly... The information we give certainly helps our clients i guess my biggest concern is actually that socialization stuff mm. that, that that is yeah. a big part of puppy school um, that they're missing and then i reckon i'm seeing and i don't know i um, mean robbie have sort of talked about this on the podcast i'm seeing a little bit of dogs that they're only seeing their owners our puppies are only seeing mm. um, their owners and then they're coming and seeing me and then i'm potentially giving them something that's a little bit painful. So then when I see them in four weeks' time, they remember me. It's not diluted out by going to the park and seeing 50 other people or going to puppy school or coming to the clinic, having a fun time. So they see me again in four weeks' time and they're like, whoa, I remember you. It's, it's so strong in my mind. And they're actually more nervous in the clinic um, than than would be in a normal time. So yeah, look, I, I certainly think we do give a lot of information to clients and and they, I think that helps them a lot. Um, and there can be a real panic phase when you've got that puppy and you don't know what to do. But I reckon most of that stuff's just going to sort itself out over time. It's it's the actual stuff that's affecting uh, and potentially having behavior problems where the puppy has got behavior problems, not something it's just affecting the owners.
7: Now, do you think that, like, like you said, you're having these puppies come in and then they might be a little bit more nervous because there's nothing, there's no other people to kind of wash out the bad memory of coming to the vet, but what do you think vet clinics can do to try to help make that experience better? Because I know a lot of the patients that we see anxieties of patients are, tend to be more anxious with their owners. So now we have a way to actually combat that. Like now we can actually get patients in the hospital away from their owners, where they actually might be a little bit more comfortable, but then it's also kind of our duty to try to help them make, make them more comfortable versus constantly catering to the client. Like now we don't really, need to do that because we're not having a conversation while also trying to love on this puppy. Now we can love on the puppy and do what we need to do and kind of just teach them that the whole visit's not all bad. And we're not ignoring them by talking to the client.
1: Yeah, look, i I'll probably a little bit different. I think uh, my impression is I reckon dogs that are anxious um, in general are actually more anxious without their owners present is my feeling. Um, I reckon the owners... Um, you know, uh, um, you know, not not um, casting aspersions on other people's sort of ability to read body language, that sort of thing. But often, if you've got a dog that um, um, that uh, you know is in a consult without the owners, and it seems like it's frozen and seems calm, I reckon underlying it's just shut down. Um, I, I really reckon when you've got owners there, they're a lot more a uh, lot more comfortable, a lot less anxious. Um, and as far as sort of how to go about that thing of of you know um giving injections um when owners aren't there and trying to make it a fun experience i mean I, i'm i'm a classic for it i try and do everything i you know the puppy's on the floor for the first 10 minutes i'm on the floor with it you know owners aren't there but on the floor, I'm, I'm i'm smearing peanut butter on the floor i'm dropping treats everywhere we're playing we're doing all the fun stuff i'm examining it having fun but even still while i'm doing that i still when i give that needle there are some pups that just seem to yeah that's insane respond. Um, And then I just can't get them back. The next visit, when I get them back, I just know that they've had, they've remembered that that previous experience. So I haven't really got a solution for us. I think we're all doing our best. Um, Just be nice to have owners back. I think it's horrible to say as a vet, because for years I've been saying, be great if we could just be a vet and you know and have no owners in the clinic and just have animals (laughs) especially
5: as far as nurses and technicians are concerned i think robbie you were talking about the inefficiencies and i mean for us we've had clients back in the clinic for a while and it was um it was such a welcome change to bring them back in because um prior to that and you guys might still be experiencing this nurses and technicians were just stretched so thin because whereas they may not usually be required in the consult room to help with a patient, you know, they were having to go in every time and be helping with that puppy because the owner wasn't there. So I certainly um can see that the strain that's that that has been placed on nurses and technicians in the GP setting. In that sense, then I guess in a specialist setting, are they usually not without? They're usually without their owners for the majority of the visit. If you're doing a workup and and that sort of thing, or how, how do how do you usually experience that?
3: Yeah, I, I think it, it, especially well in my clinic. I'm, I'm not sure how it is with all of them. I mean, I I think Jordan and I agree. Like um, in a specialty setting, I love not having clients in the building. And I think, I think it also depends on how clinics are doing curbside <laughs> um, because for us, we have the client call in as soon as they get there and over the phone, we go over the full history um, and ask all of our questions and then say, okay, meet us at the door. And then they literally just hand off at the door. Whereas I'm seeing some clinics that the the techs are going out into the parking lot going into people's cars asking them questions outside and i'm like you're actually not mitigating any risk right there which is pointless if you're trying to not be exposed to it um so for me it's like i do everything on the phone my clients are are very receptive to the conversations um they're also doing it from the comfort of their car um and then you know the handoff is super quick and then everything else is is in my treatment area and you know, most of that stuff, like the the physical exam, ultrasounds, lab work, and all that stuff would have been done without a client there anyway. So I it, it is a very different experience than like general practice. Um, so for me in specialty, it, it works really well, um, so.
4: Yeah.
6: I'll say that I, working in anesthesia, even pre-COVID, I don't have a lot of contact directly with clients. Um, If they had a big concern, either the anesthesiologist or I myself might email them. So I really didn't have a lot of face-to-face with clients anyway. However, since COVID and since, you know, house remodel, trying to make that extra money, um, (laughs) I picked up some ER shifts. And let me tell you, the ER now curbside is a completely different animal than it used to be. I think we're so bottlenecked. Um, Our ER wait times um, are anywhere between two and three hours. We have had people, we have like told people, you need to go somewhere else, like you're too critical. And we don't have the staff and we don't have the resources to get you where you need to go. Yeah, that's what we did to get, you know, the patient. We can stabilize them and then maybe sometimes we've had to ship to the university near us because we are just so inundated with patients. Um, The last curbside day that I did in the ER, um, I think that, again, this is just my frustration. I'm sure maybe other people are experiencing it too. We go out to the car, we triage at the car, and I don't know how many times this has happened, but. The owner like oh I didn't bring a leash with me I just figured you would take the dog okay cool mm-hmm. and the one dachshund I tried to you know I was like all right that's fine he's a little dachshund I'll just you know pick him up and then she was like oh no he bites he'd bite you and I was like
3: <laughs> okay, I know I have leashes great. I have slip leads in my pocket because I'm like I always use our leash and and just let the owner keep theirs because it's I've that's the other thing too, right? I've seen people talking about like losing patients in the parking lot yeah. because they back out of their collars. Yeah. And so we just it's always our slip leads. Um and yeah, but I I agree with you. our emergency department. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and our emergency department's average wait time is four hours right now. Um wow. and
5: what the hell is that going is
3: on? I, there's a lot of emergency clinics near me um, I have one a couple blocks over and mm. they're just as busy as us um, our sister hospital half an hour away same kind of thing. so there's been a lot of we've actually closed down emergency a couple of times because we're like we can't accept anything else we're completely yeah. capacitated like full capacity um, you know, or we're, we we do not have enough oxygen tanks right now because we have so many patients in oxygen. Like you have to go somewhere else, which is horrible when you've got a respiratory patient you're like, sorry, you gotta go somewhere else. So I definitely have seen emergency is busier and I don't, I think the caseload is, is much more than it was previously, not just you know, everything's a little bit less efficient, but I, I think the caseload is more, um, we, I think people are staring at their animals. I think, I really think they're like, I need to get out of the house. I'm gonna take my dog to the vet because I have time. Um, and maybe just like
5: a hypersensitivity to symptoms and illness Mm -hmm. and anxiety and medical anxiety. Yeah.
7: What's gotta be frustrating on both parts though too yeah. is that like because things are curbside, like clients can't actually see that you truly are ridiculously busy. Mm. Like they see because we're sending like we send clients like away. We're like, it's gonna take us 30, 40 minutes, to go grab lunch. So like our parking lot doesn't look mm. that full, and neither does our lobby because nobody's in it. And so clients are like, Well, what the hell's taking you so long? And I'm like, mm, No, like we're really busy. Yeah, they would
4: they would they would <laughs> like that before COVID right too. right now because
7: like the clients yeah. aren't here like taking up space in
5: in the exam room. It's always the case, isn't it? Even in non COVID times, it can look so Mm -hmm. quiet (laughs) out the front. Yeah. And you're I just feel like um... (laughs) with like a
7: four hour wait time, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. Nobody's in there, but But like they can't really see what's going on in the back, which is kind of frustrating. But I know I got to say there has been a few positive changes. Like we were a little inefficient at first, but I think we're getting the hang of it now. Mm -hmm. And I got to say like, Client communication and client education. I feel like I get more time to do that than I used to. I don't feel as rushed because it's not like hurry up and get to the next room because my patient's already here. I've already done the history. I've already done that. Now my doctor's working at it. So I'm going to go finish up mm. with this client and go over their full discharge. And really, I don't, I feel like I get more of a connection, even though it's over the phone and they can't really see or feel like my empathy towards whatever they have going on. It is a little bit different, but I got to say that I think client communication actually has gone up, at least on my end, it seems to be.
3: Yeah. I, I definitely have used a lot more electronic resources, which is great. And and I don't get as much pushback as I used to. I feel like previously clients would push back and be like, oh, I don't want it emailed. Um, now they're, they just kind of expect it, um, which is really nice. And, and we, you know, we have handouts that we attach to our you know, go home instructions that is like, how do you transition to a new diet? Here's all the, you know, information about the disease process. And so, yeah, I, I, I think for us, we're able to do a lot more electronically, which is nice. And clients are receptive sometimes. Yeah. I'm and I don't read it, but
4: I've also found that the, uh, the, the emailed email discharges, mm-hmm. I think helps us out a lot because I mean, half the time, I don't know how you guys do it in your practices, but As an ER tech, they say, can you go discharge this patient? And I go out with my discharge instructions and I hand them a copy and then I go over it with them. And they don't have a chance to actually look at that before I'm talking to them. So if they get that as an email while they're waiting for me to call them to go over stuff, they can look at that and say, well, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Instead of, just nodding their head yeah. and saying, okay, okay, okay. And then when they get yeah. their home, or like, losing it in the
7: car and being about. like, well, yeah. you never told me that. And I'm like, me, yeah, <laughs> we're losing it in the car. Yeah. yeah. I got to say, yeah. I think communication has definitely increased and just the ability to actually like, yeah. get clients to understand a little bit better seems to have gone up.
8: Has, uh, has anybody <laughs> done anything with telemedicine? Any sort of telemedicine appointments or anything like that?
3: My clinic is experimenting with it, um, but it hasn't gone live. But I do know that they, they're working on a system to, to do that. And I think a couple of the partners have, have used it, but um, it hasn't rolled out to the rest of us yet.
7: We've done a few like rechecks for like anxious cats or grumpy cats that it's mostly gonna be the doctor talking about diets or something anyway um like with our ibd patients and stuff like that we've had several people researching into or just um like raw diets and or homemade diets for their pets like while out on covid because i think they have the time and so we've done kind of like recheck consults for that my doctor just talking to him about what might be best in, in those situations Yeah,
2: we, we've avoided it we've avoided it it's um uh, I just think it's one of those tricky ones that, you know, once the, once it starts, how do you stop it? You mm-hmm. know? And uh, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, you mm-hmm. uh, know, we, we've yeah. been in a situation where people feel like they can ring us up and talk to us anyway. And then if we reach that point, we go, well, now it's going to cost you a recheck fee. That's, that makes you seem like a bit of a bit of an a-hole, you know? So mm-hmm. um, for us, we just, we just avoided it. We didn't even worry about it. extra level of complication, um, you know, we it, it probably wouldn't have changed things that much for us so we thought nah, no not even gonna not even gonna um stress on it
3: i think for gp i can see where telemedicine i i don't see how it would work you know it's like you, you can't really do it for puppy visits because you got to give vaccines you know and it's in and, and, and anytime you have to have a physical exam involved i feel like telemedicine just really isn't the greatest option. I think for maybe yeah. behavioral stuff, I can see that 100%. being a yeah. great option. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably why telemedicine hasn't taken off as much as some people had thought it might when all this started. Because I know there was a lot of talk about it originally. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, it's a it's not necessarily a um a profession that can uh, go well with um a, a, look of a whole macaque's tail <laughs> up here and out, does its bum look weird to you? <laughs> Hang on, I'm just gonna get the angle bit right on that camera, you know? Yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. Unfortunately, we're kind of a hands-on profession, aren't we? So um, yeah, and like I say, uh, we we just didn't want the complication of having people having to have people ring up and say, look, it's going to cost you to talk to the vet. You know, yeah. and especially if no one else is doing it in the area, people ring around and find somewhere else. So, yeah. um,
6: I will say that this is not about Telemus, and I'm going to segue a little bit into the other positives. Um, I think one of the huge positive things to come out of this is that it was already a really hot job market for technicians. Right now, technicians are so in demand, the job market is crazy. And like, the salaries are better because you're so in demand. And I tell people all the time, like use this opportunity to negotiate the hell out of your job. You know, don't just take whatever is given to you, really use your negotiation skills to make sure you're getting uniform benefits and CE benefits and adequate vacation time and all that stuff. So I think that technicians are in a really good space right now as far as the job hunts go.
7: I, I, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Agree on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we've had an, like, now's the opportunity to be like, we're obviously mm, needed.
3: Yeah. We've had in, so. in our area, we've had some clinics actually open, which blows my mind. Um, wow. and so there is, yeah. there is a huge shift going on between clinics, um, especially the specialty practices, um, and salaries definitely is one of the things that, is kind of insane right now um because especially with like emergency clinics and some of those other ones they are so desperate for technicians um yep. that they're offering crazy amounts for people um and and i and i think too you know i think that's something where if you're in a practice that maybe you had thought about not working there for whatever reason. I think things have become hyper-focused as well for a lot of people. Um, And knowing what our level of capacity is, I think has been something that, um, yeah, I think that's been pushed to the forefront too. Um, I know Jordan and I have talked about it. Um, Like I had to actually cut back hours because I was so burnt out. Um, and I think it's been a really good thing for me personally, um, because I, I wasn't able to handle the full-time. Um, just, I, I couldn't, I'm probably at the point where I can probably start thinking about it again, but, um, you know, so well, there's, there's technicians, there's less of us out there, I think too, because I think, you know, some people had to stay home and be parents. Um, <laughs> so they didn't have the option of working. Um, so I think that's also affecting job market
7: right now too yeah yeah i gotta say it's definitely made it so i was able to speak up and say what i need because i was notorious for never saying no ever (laughs) so i was i was always working and i think when i took my job i started and i was like when my son goes to school i'm gonna go back to part-time well that was last year and i didn't do that and this year i was like well now i don't have the option like i have to go part-time like i have to cut my hours i have to be home for my kids And I have to do stuff for me. Like, I need me time. Despite the fact that we are so busy, I definitely still had the guilt. But my boss was very welcoming to it. And he was like, you need to do what you need to do. Thank God. Because I think I would have lost my mind if I was working full time and teaching full time and doing all the other stuff. But it's definitely made me, I think, a better, just have a better ability to kind of stick up for what I need in this career. So. Mm -hmm.
6: I think
1: this was perfect because over in the States this week, it's Vet Tech Appreciation Week, isn't it, guys? Vet Nurses Appreciation Week. yeah. (laughs) We're definitely, as a vet myself, massive appreciation of what you guys are doing, particularly during this COVID period. I mean, you guys, you're you're bearing the brunt of, well, from GP practice, certainly the irate clients, the clients that want to come in the clinic, that can't come in the clinic, that... uh, you know, we're not happy with what they was, you know, told on the phone. Why aren't you not busy at the front? You know, how can you be busy at the back? Why is it a four-hour wait? You know, um, so it's 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 a good good little um bring in there that you you guys, you know, massive appreciation for you guys, and it's good that they have a week dedicated to it. It's great.
5: I was about to segue to that too, actually, Lewis, because the Friday, the 9th of October in Australia is Vet Nurse Day. And as we were all talking about how crazy busy it is, I was going to say, for me, the irony every year of Vet Nurse Day is that I try to organise something for my team. My husband and I own a practice, a GP practice, and I try to organise something for my team. And it's hard to stop Mm. at any point during the day and say let's all have lunch or you know we organize last year we had a masseuse come in and a couple of years before that we had a beauty therapist come in and do manicures and pedicures but the thing is that a couple of people always have to come in on their day off Mm. if you're going to do something like that so this year i feel like it's just compounded like how are we going to stop for lunch but that's the thing about vet nurse day and vet tech week you do kind of have to carve out time to say okay, you guys are worth it and we are just going to even book light for the day just so we can all sit down and have something to eat and give you guys a present and that sort of thing. So for me, I've been trying to organize something for the last week and chatting to my team and they're all like, oh yeah massage is great but we don't want to come in we really need our day off and lunch would be good but let's keep it to 15 minutes and something that we can reheat in the microwave if we're busy so that just sucks for me every year you want to do something great but it's like yeah. when
7: yeah we talk about doing like a yeah. team building exercise during that tech week like just over the weekend like something fun we've talked about going paintballing before and like
2: oh go and shoot each
7: other yeah 100% just take out some aggression on each other. We appreciate you, but. Yeah,
2: but I'm going I'm, to. You I'm...
7: stole my pen, damn it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I know it was you, so I'm going to aim this paintball straight at your crotch. Yeah, oh. you know, do it again. Yeah, you know, and I'll
7: do it again.
1: <laughs> we do have a new one over here where it's actually, you can go and do axe throwing. I don't know if oh, you guys yes. have that one.
7: Yes, oh, there's actually a nice. place we have right behind my daughter's gymnastics place that like, even sells beer because, like, a lot of these <laughs> places are BYOB, and I'm like, yes. yeah that's I a mean, sharp is is there, yeah, that just sounds
6: it. like Super America right there? <laughs>
0: <then> I'm gonna
6: drink <laughs> this beer and then I'm gonna throw that axe at that tree. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You yeah, and then
2: we're gonna have a barbecue that's been cooking for six hours that's been <sighs> stewing in barbecue sauce. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>
3: Exactly. The other thing Happy that I would love to <laughs> do is have you seen the smash rooms? Oh. Yes. Yeah, yes. they like have old no. TVs and you just have sledgehammers, Yeah, smash mm-hmm. rooms break like, a bunch break of crap. Break a bunch of stuff. Oh my like gosh. for vet techs yes, and tech I feel like one. that would be amazing.
8: Yeah. Oh, going back God. to the paintballing <laughs> thing, I feel like we should we should arrange a clients versus veterinary staff paintball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's like yeah, an eight plants. hour wait and they're all pissed off. Oh my God. No, here you go. Here's some airsoft for you. Here's some for you. There's some camouflage out there and some trees in the woods.
5: We have a four-hour wait, but we do have a paintball Yes, Yes. that's how we keep our clients
2: busy. Mm -hmm. With that, Jeff, which clients are you uh, are you inviting there, mate? Are you inviting the good clients as a reward, (laughs) or are are (laughs) the ones that are the that bottom ten percent that take up fifty percent of your time? Are they the ones that you're specifically aiming the invitations to? I think anyone, like
6: anyone who says the words, "I'm friends with the owner." Like, then they get an invite, oh, Like they get yes. the invite.
8: Oh, but,
3: yeah. Yeah. For
6: I know
8: or,
7: four, yeah. four veterinarians, and I'm like, yeah. oh, really? Well,
8: I, don't I don't want to see not. an intern. <laughs> my
7: sister-in-law's a vet, so can I get the estimate yeah. and the record?
8: I don't want to see an intern, I want or to or see it? the faculty.
7: Let's say Brita,
2: but uh, Ooh, the, um, yeah. or, the, or the other one is, um, uh, I, I think about six or eight bricks in this place should have my name oh, on yeah, it for the amount of money that I've spent here. Yeah, yes. uh, that, That's one that I like. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: good one. We we hear a lot the uh, oh yes the yeah, yeah. yes wing with my yeah, yeah. On it.
2: yeah yeah well well yeah we, we do have that it's called the brachycephalic wing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh
4: my god, so no, true. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. V- very short entry into that though, Yeah, you know, It's a and very very poor very poor airflow <laughs> yeah. through there. It's really hard to breathe. Blue, in there. Yeah.
7: Blue walls, very very hard to get through. Sometimes
3: it. you have to squeeze through there on your side. It's very loud.
6: <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, full uh, like overall being technicians yourself, most of you, um, what do you guys like to receive from your management or your bosses
2: oh, from that excellent technique?
6: question Let's get a pants some pipe
3: I will say that I see this on like Facebook <laughs> groups all the time. First of all, acknowledge the week Like at
7: least I think acknowledge- Kat's idea yeah. of like booking light for a day is stellar. Like, it's just like, Mm. you guys deserve a break. We're still going to work, but we're just going to like, try to take it easy today. Like, that's great.
5: Yeah. And we try to do some social media acknowledgement as well in the week in the lead Mm -hmm. up, like on my practice page this week, we highlight one nurse every day or one, um, veterinary assistant every day and just let them say, This is what I want the world to know about what I do. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. I thought massages and pedicures and, and that sort of thing were great, but until you know this year they've piped up and said, it's good if if you're going to work that day, but it's not good if you're not. So my team always like things like potted plants and mm-hmm. like something physical as well. And I feel like vouchers are always good because you can spend your money on whatever you want. is Wine. good. <laughs> Yeah, wine, wine. It's a good time to be investing in wine, pens, and coffee cups.
7: I'm a big fan of coffee cups, coffee mugs. (laughs) Like
4: my my supervisor three four years ago gave me this. Oh, (laughs) that's great! (laughs) I see how worn it is.
7: Got some of those, (laughs) and
4: I drink my coffee every single day i use yeah coffee. i got some that's my coffee cup As i got some good coffee mugs
7: um with like our logo on it and then the, all of my staff's names and like rbt on the other side of it so that oh we did yeah that yeah two years ago and i filled yeah. them with pens and sharpies and highlighters oh,
8: yeah. i think one thing one thing i really like is yeah. i got uh one year i got a really good pair of bandage scissors
7: mm. ah. yeah
2: oh it's yep. the little things
8: it is. <laughs> it's. It, it's. It's. it's a, well, yeah, yeah. Now, now lose, they're like lock. they're clipped to me, so they don't go. You anywhere, lost it like but, the next week. Yeah, right. But uh, it's it's the the stuff that I can use, I guess.
3: I mean, um, I'm gonna you, throw this I, out there because why not? If if my company were to give me like a paid day off that I could use whenever I wanted, I would be like, that, that is the best vet tech present yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah like yeah. a bonus yeah. day yeah. off just be like bonus day off cool
8: yeah we, we do we do bonus days on the academic calendar like if mm. uh new year's eve and new year's day new year's day is the holiday but if new year's eve say falls on a friday or something like that it's a bonus day and, and it, it is if you work that day that's on your normal schedule day then you just get an extra day of pto you can take whenever Oh, that's and, smart yeah so it it it, it is really nice yeah. to cash that in whenever something good comes up
3: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think another thing too, that would be brilliant of all of us to do, um, veterinary technicians, nurses, doctors is, um, I think client education on what we do so that they can better appreciate what we do in our Mm. clinics too.
5: Yeah. Which is really easy with social media in this day and age. Um, and, and I, and I usually get either the vets or the nurses to write the content that goes with each nurse. So last year we had, um, the vets write something about each nurse. Whereas this year I gave them a couple of questions and had them, you know, address what's the biggest public misconception about what we do, or what should the world know about what we do? So you really can sort of um, address your clients. And and last year, because we did one nurse every day, by the time Vet Nurse Day rolled around, we had clients delivering cupcakes and chocolates and flowers because they knew it was coming.
4: Or even just do like a survey of, like ask your social media fans of of whatever hospital you work Mm. for, what do you think a technician does? And get the feedback from that. And then you can go from there and say, well, yeah, we hold the animals, but we do 85 million other things right. on top of that and, and, and giving that giving that opportunity to, yeah. to yeah. teach clients about what we actually I do. Love that.
3: And then um, I'm going to segue a little bit to our, what are you guys doing as the podcasts? Are you guys doing anything fun with your podcast for Vet Tech Appreciation Week or Vet Nurse Day or anybody doing anything?
4: We're going to be posting a lot of social media stuff, um, I think... Every single day we're going to have something um, dedicated to that. Um, we haven't really hashed out exactly what we're going to do. We're, we'll probably have to talk <laughs> about week. that sometime. It's
8: a <laughs> <laughs> This
7: week. week. Yeah, sometime
2: it's this fine. week, yeah. Uh, I, I
7: know li- sorry, I know. Yvonne and I have done that too. We're like, yeah, we got all this stuff coming up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know Lewis has been working on a particularly, um, in depth, uh, interpretive dance, um, nice, nice. Celebrate. Oh. he's, he's been, he's been, he's been hand sewing on the sequins as well. So it's uh, look at, look out for that in the social media feed. It's going to be awesome. Well,
7: unfortunately, I'll share
1: it. <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't go well on a podcast. So I won't be showing it today. Just under the desk though. It's sort of all, all waist down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Quite Scottish. <laughs> um. So Jordan and I, because it, well, Jordan and I plus Dave and Jeff, like it's our one year anniversary for Vet Tech Appreciation Week. We launched the podcast. So I know Jordan and I are doing. <laughs>
7: we've got we've got, we've got raffles we got raffles we've That's got awesome. some which I'm a little jealous Ooh. because I don't get any like I can't win any of the stuff it's <laughs> true I'm like this is really good stuff <laughs> so we'll um
3: we'll put the link for the raffle for everybody that listens to this podcast um for that as well but um we have the raffles we have some continuing education that we're doing this week uh one just with our podcast and then one with uh Royal Canaan which is really cool um and then We've got obviously this is the bonus episode, which is super fun. Um, do we have anything? Do we have anything else planned for this week? I can't remember. I
7: mean, we probably do, I but I don't remember right. what it is. Yeah.
8: <laughs> I'm curious. It's been a little. I'm heck. curious for uh, you guys down in Australia. What what is the the national or the the country perception of vet nurses down there? Is it mm. do do a lot of, of Australians know what vet nurses are and what they do, or is it a pretty big disconnect? down there
2: cat cat give us your interpretation first
5: okay i think that um it, it's okay. both ends of the spectrum i think at one end of the spectrum <laughs> you have people who overestimate perhaps um the level of training that's that goes into the qualification Um, And they might also assume that everybody in the veterinary clinic who's called a veterinary nurse is qualified, which is not the case. Um, So sometimes they might be thinking that we're that, you know, somebody in front of them is similar to a human registered veterinary nurse when they're not even a qualified veterinary nurse um, or maybe they're qualified but hasn't haven't done any CPD for 10 years and they're not a registered veterinary nurse but then at the other end of the spectrum you have people who whether they're qualified registered or not they have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of amazing skills and experience and yet they are confronted by a client who says can I please speak to the vet um and doesn't want to talk to them and really underestimates what they can do. So I think it's it's at all ends of the spectrum. And I think a
2: lot of it comes down to to respect as well. Yeah. Like uh, you if you're someone who just respects people and respects that everyone's got a job to do, then you're going to look at it and go, Oh, wow. Yeah. Whether you're a vet nurse or, you know, you're stacking shelves or something. You're someone who respects it. Unfortunately, some people look at it and doesn't matter how much you try and convince them. They even, they even think that vets are, uh, you know, aren't worth it either. You know, they just go, Oh no, it's all just a waste of money. And yeah, you're no good. And you know, so it's, it's one of those Mm. tough ones where, the people that, you know, you're going to have some people that you're never going to convince and you can't worry about those people because they're going to be, they're they're going to be pains Mm. in the bum no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is a perception particularly in, because we don't have, I guess, you know, there's the, the, the TAFEs that do um, like the vocational education training to get your, um, your vet nurse degree, you know, or certificates. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cert four. Mm -hmm. That's the,
0: or yeah, um, yeah. now yeah. the
2: interesting thing is now we've got the um with uh well certainly at melbourne uni they've got the the undergraduate degree or what is it the um the, the uh, undergraduate version of it i know the dvm is the is the graduate one bachelor, bachelor of veterinary of, yeah or veterinary, veterinary th- it's something but it's um so so i'm okay. i, I I'm, i've been out of uni for way too long so i, yeah, I don't know they, they keep changing the I mean, yeah all the letters change but it doesn't mm-hmm. matter um And I thought, oh, that might be a pathway of where they're looking to try and get people into being vet techs rather than vet nurses, you know, something where you actually hold an undergraduate degree, but it hasn't really happened that way. Mm. So I guess the hard thing is you might go to a vet clinic and there's someone that's worked there for 35 years and has never done any certificate, but they know exactly what they're doing and they know all the information Mm. because they've heard the vet talk about it for 30 Mm. years um, compared to someone Mm. who's gone and done their cert for so yeah, I, I guess in Australia, to answer your question, Jeff, it's really, you know, it's kind of quite nebulous. You know, I think that they're all bunched in in the one in the one thing, as Kat was saying. Mm. But the people who are who are going to respect them are going to respect them no matter what they say because they think they're getting good information from them. People that aren't, you're never going to convince.
8: Yeah,
5: mm. I think clinics can do something about getting that respect for their team though because it is a top down thing. If you have a vet who comes out to the out of the consult room with the client and says now I'm going to hand you over to Sarah who is actually a qualified veterinary nurse and she's going to take you through the prescription diet that we discussed in the consult room if you have any questions you can ring her she knows everything that there is to know about this and that client's going to respect that veterinary nurse whereas if there's not that proper handoff and that respect similarly just with the smoke and mirrors things like having decent uniforms you know i've seen practices where there's not a good website and nurses aren't bought uniforms and they just yeah. wear like the free scrub top that mm. came from the reps you know visit or and you know pants from home and um, so I think that there is a lot you can do to really present your team and say, um, you know, these are people who yeah, should be respected. I, I don't know Absolutely. how much you
1: guys know sort of about our system. Robbie touched on a little bit there, but uh, certainly with vet techs, I think, you know, it's a more uh, defined pathway in a way. So, um, you know, and when you come out of it, you guys um, are almost sort of uh, paramedical in that, you know, you do, you put the catheters in, you might need to the animals, you you, know, you probably do yes. you know eighty percent of the procedures and the vet just comes do. in and oversees it. Whereas in Australia, you know, you can pull off um, someone who's who's still in high school and, and put them mm-hmm. at the reception of your vet clinic and they're perceived as as their vet nurse, you know. So um, right up to like Robbie said, you know, the thirty-five year old person, thirty-five um, year old experienced nurse who's who's been in your clinic for years um so there's no it's sort of difficult in that you know um there's no defined sort of pathway um that says i
3: I, I don't know if that is actually um i think it's exactly the same in the united states um yeah to be honest yeah yeah um, because there are the same thing. You have technicians or tech assistants. Technically, right? Um, tech assistants who have been in the clinic for thirty-five years are, you know, the top of their game, but they've never gone to school. And then you have others that have gotten their associate's degree. They are licensed in the state. Um, and then there's states in the United States that don't even have a licensure. So you know, it, it is. I think it's. I think it's very much the same as you guys. Um, And I think it also, there are clinics where the perception is it doesn't matter if you have a license or not, um, you're treated the same. And then there's clinics that very much uphold, you know, the law, which is only a licensed registered uh, certified technician is allowed to do these procedures. So I think um, you know, I've been doing this for over 18 years and I think there's a huge difference from when I first started, um, but I think we still have a long way to go. Um, and I think that Tech Appreciation Week is one of those things where um, not only do we appreciate our technicians, right, we also try to educate um, Clients and us um, as far as like what we can do with our degrees and, and the benefits of having it. And so I think I think it's not just a Australia problem or yeah. United States. It sounds like it's the same all over.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, I mean, last time we, we chatted, um, I, I, know I'm some bring back to COVID again. I think we, one of my questions, I think I asked is, uh, certainly in America, it was a lot more prevalent than in Australia. Um, and oh, it still is, it still is. Yeah, of course. Sorry. And, um, I guess I, I did ask a question. Does anyone know of anyone who's been affected um, as far as veterinary vet techs by COVID? By um, clinic shutdowns and, and, and things sort
8: like
1: that. Of... Yeah. I had it. Well, yeah. And we um, just, yeah, just backing up. So, sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, at that time, everyone said we didn't know <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Um, and we all thought, wow, aren't we really good? is now you know, hygiene really good. Aren't we amazing? Uh, but Jeff... Wow. Yeah,
3: I think, uh, I think I was the first right, one. Right. So uh, our clinic was the first I think out of all of us because we talked about it at some point. Um, we had I think six people in my hospital test positive. Wow. Um, and we, we did do a shutdown. There were two days that we were shut down because there was like two waves but we think they were kind of together. And it was right in the very beginning. Um, And we shut down the hospital, we did a deep clean, and then um, it was up to everybody, you know, whether or not they wanted to come back in or if they wanted to self-isolate at that time, because our our business was working very closely with the CDC as far as like what, you know, what precautions and things do we need to take. Um, Since then, we actually haven't had anybody else test positive in my specific clinic. We have had people in our sister hospitals, which are, you know, within an hour of us, all of them that have tested positive. But, um, the good thing is with all of our precautions in place, it was like one person instead of like the entire department kind of thing. Um, so we definitely have been affected. And and so I know for my clinic, um, I believe the plan is to still be kind of where we're at with lockdown until after the first of the year. I don't think there's a, specific date of letting anybody in and, wow. and relaxing things. But, um, yeah, that was, that was early on. So.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I was exposed, but I tested negative and I never had symptoms. Jeff, you said you yeah, tested. Yeah. Positive? I had
8: it, uh, early July, late June, early July. Um, I actually came home from work one night cause I, uh, I actually just thought it was like allergies and hay fever. I was really run down and, Uh, just had like a, like a scratchy throat and like a little bit of a cough. And I texted my supervisor and I said, if this was any other year, I wouldn't even bother you, but I feel like I need to be responsible and have you tell me what you want me to do. And so she sent me home. I got a test the next day, which was on a Thursday. And I actually didn't get those results until eight days later on a Friday. Um, oh, wow. And I still hadn't gotten results yet and thankfully um, my, my, my work Tufts was very proactive and they were, you know, they never second guessed anything. They just said stay away until you have a result or whatever. So eight days later on a Friday, I still didn't have results. And my wife found a, a clinic here nearby that was doing the rapid tests. Uh, so we both went on that Friday morning. Um, and we got results within 15 minutes and I was positive. Then she was negative. And then that afternoon I got my results from my test eight days prior. That was also positive. Um, so I got two positive tests in the same day though. They were taken eight days apart. Um, and we had our right when I had symptoms, um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law had stayed with us a couple of days. They both tested positive as well. Um, they both, n- none of the three of us is like, as far as symptoms go, you know, anywhere you go, you know, if you travel or whatever, the big thing, right. Is always temperature. N- even though I had chills, none of the three of us ever had fevers. Um, we were checking, like I was check- that was actually why I waited till the evening time to talk to my supervisor. Cause I was checking my temperature every hour at work and it was normal every time. None of the three of us ever had fevers. They both lost uh, sense of smell and taste for like, I don't know, two weeks or so um and i just had chills and like i was fatigued that was the big thing and that lasted maybe three to five days and then i was was largely okay but i was out of work for like two weeks and now i think there's been one other i don't know who it was but i think there's been one other person that's tested positive at tufts but we actually have testing on site uh two days a week um so we would go into like the large animal area, we swab our own noses and we get results the next day. So now we're all tested like two days a week. Um, and thankfully I've been negative since, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. It's, it's interesting. I, um, in Melbourne, there's a, um, so yeah, we've we've just gone through this stage four lockdown where you're not supposed to go five kilometers away and you're only allowed out for an hour and you're not allowed to see anyone. The kids haven't been to school for ages. Um, And yet I I haven't heard of a single clinic in Melbourne where someone has tested positive and where the clinic has had to shut down for a deep clean, you know? Um, And I know that there, I, I, and look at—I know that there are clinics that have still got clients going in. I know, I know, clinics where they've still had full families going in too, right? You know, as, as well as clinics that are doing the still now doing the team A, team B approach. You know, so I was talking about it with my practice manager that you know it's one of those things where anything works until it doesn't work, right? You know, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's, absolutely. It's whatever you whatever you try and do, and that's always fine until it's not.
8: Yeah. Yeah, I I will say, I think for for me, like, you know, to be very honest, it like, I I hate to spin it lightly, but it was, I had very, very mild symptoms. I I was very fortunate, but it's like that, that period of unknown, like I've, I've also had shingles and I feel like there was a period of time in history where, you know, people got chicken pox, but they didn't know. That third you know some length of time later they were going to have a, a re-emergence of the pox virus and actually have shingles until decades had passed and people started having it and they, they finally connected the dots and i know there's been you know reports of some athletes that have had um you know cardiac changes and um different things so i actually have a cardiac mri scheduled uh so this is saturday on tuesday um to have that checked out because i already have pre-existing heart disease but Um, you know, that, that just kind of like unknown as far as like, wherever it is down the road is, does that manifest into anything else? Like it's a virus. It's going to be in you until the end of time, just like anything else, any other virus. So who knows what it's going to re-manifest itself as, or, or what? Wow. Uh, Did you take any of, um, any
2: of Donald Trump's,
8: uh, treatment advice here, Jeff? um, (laughs) No, I, I, I uh, did, I did not. I, uh, I stuck i did not do any bleach or windex or uh what is it hydroxyquinolone is that right hydroxychloroquine yes, yes. uh no I, I i did the standard uh
3: oh my goodness <laughs> um,
8: just sit <laughs> at just, home and rest and yeah uh you know net, net, netflix is yeah for sure and Netflix flicks um, yeah. And a glass and a glass of scotch for a sore throat
5: oh perfect
8: yeah yeah
5: one thing i've discussed yeah. with another veterinary technician friend is and actually another veterinary nurse friend is the importance of everyone continuing to take annual leave during this time. I know in in Melbourne, that would seem crazy to you guys because you haven't been able to go anywhere, but um, you know, we we're worried about the mental health effect of people not taking time off and people being worked and worked and worked. And, and I mean, we're not even able to travel for conferences for most of us. We'd at least get on a plane and go somewhere for a conference once a year. So I'm certainly encouraging my team to keep on thinking about taking leave.
2: Mm-hmm. you got to do that from a business point of view as oh, well yeah. from a, a liability of annual mm-hmm. leave too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to put the, the, the business owner hat on, yeah, you got to make sure people are still taking their annual leave. Otherwise, you know, for, after 12 months. Yeah. So yeah, that's something that we've been um, looking into as well. Well,
1: we'll... Yeah. well I've um, I'm just at the end of two weeks of, of annual leave. And, uh, and as far as mental health goes, I've been at home <laughs> with my family <laughs> and not being able oh. to go anywhere at all. <laughs> um so i'm not sure that i'm sure it's nice to have a break and uh but it'd be nice to go back to work as well
7: yeah i want i'm also finishing up a week-long vacation but we're able to go places unlike you guys so um which is nice because with homeschool we just up and went to florida to visit my family so it was that was that was nice a mental break from work and kind of school and being locked in the house because it is very much work home and only do schoolwork and home and work all in one place and it's very it's it's a lot
6: (laughs) it's just work all the time i feel like um yes you know i told my husband that i just like almost like broke down like in target and i was like i i just want Mm -hmm. a break i want one day where i don't have a job whether that be today's job is being a third grade teacher, tomorrow's job is going to be in the clinic. And then, you know, as you guys probably know, you have like a side job. And I mean, frankly, I think it's amazing that you're still churning out like a consistent podcast because I feel like I am just treading water a lot of the time, like between trying to be in the clinic full-time and trying to make sure Oliver gets his schoolwork done and he gets Mm. the best get basketball practice on time. And, you know, Oh my gosh, we have to do art now. Like what? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I feel like I know dads are doing it tough, too, but I heard on the
5: radio yesterday that they think that the pandemic and the lockdowns will have, you know, set us back decades as far as... Feminist kind of um, improvements of you know day to day life for women because for people who are working from home, which I guess isn't really our industry, but usually if you're at work, there is a time of day when if yeah. someone wants to know where do we keep this in the cupboard or how um, have we got any more of this, then they have to go find you know the other parent or another person or the sitter or whoever it is. But if you're if you're the mom and you're at home working, then you can always oh, yeah. be found and someone can always come to you and say. How does this work? Oh, Where do yeah. we keep this? I want a sandwich.
7: 100%. I mean, my husband tries to be super helpful, but I was at work one day and he was home with the kids doing schoolwork and my daughter was still calling and texting me being like I need help with the Wi-Fi and I you know, I need this and yeah. I'm like your dad is like across from you. So then I called my husband <laughs> and I'm like, "What's going on?" and he he was like, "I told her to wait a minute." Like, it was, you know, but it's like it's still that need for mom and even when I get home like my kids will very much be like, well, I had a really hard time with this assignment. So I'm, I just, I'm going to wait till you get home from work and we'll do it tonight. And like, I have a quiz, so we're going to do that tonight. But you know, then my daughter has to go to gymnastics. My son has to go to soccer and then we got to take yeah. showers and we got to get up and go to work in the morning. It, and like, it, it's it a lot exhausting.
4: And you've just worked 10 or 12 hours. Yes,
7: exactly. Exactly. And yeah. it's all, it's constant, like every other day, like, well, I needed help with this assignment. And, and like I said, my husband definitely tries, but the kids are very Drawn mm-hmm. to mom, and it's it's very much
6: a mom job yeah. somehow. I like to play this game where I tell myself that I'm going to finish this PowerPoint while I'm sitting next to Oliver and he's doing his uh, third grade stuff. And uh it, it hasn't happened it's yet, but every good. time I'm like, "Yep, so I'm going to sit time. next to you and I'm going to finish this tonight. PowerPoint." <laughs> so hopefully, the people at VMX uh, are understanding that <laughs>
7: <laughs> nothing <laughs> is finished on <sometimes. laughs> nice yeah you accidentally have some like third grade math problems and you're like ah
4: (laughs) (laughs) i bet you every single one watching that is going to totally
7: understand 100 percent. like there's no way i'm trying to teach my fourth (laughs) grader division and i was like i don't remember how to do it like this on a paper like it's it's (laughs) it's It's tough
1: calculator out well that's it but my my sixth grader, she uh, she we were doing math one day, and I was doing a problem with her. It was really, I was like, oh, I really don't know how to bring down that fraction fraction into a um, into a decimal. I think it was, and I went to work, and then you know, smarter minds at maths at work, and we all went through it, and we couldn't do it. And then eventually, eventually, we emailed the teacher, and they and they said, oh, no, you just get a calculator out. And we went.
7: Oh. oh, you think you have to do everything on paper? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like we're learning about nice. electricity conducting, and my daughter's like, well, what? But this material is that a conductor or an insulator and i'm like let's find out let's stick uh... in the powerpoint and see <laughs> yeah yeah i'm yeah, stand yeah. just oh, like, it stands
2: up yeah it's yeah. a conductor doesn't
7: yeah yeah, yeah exactly. littler, I'm like, littler, yep. alexa is plastic a conductor or an insulator <laughs> and it's, it's just
6: <laughs> well oliver is gonna end third grade like really really knowing his drug classes and his pain pathways because that's the only thing i really am capable of teaching
8: Hey, if, if the math that he's yeah, learning is much medical much. math, yeah, more power I to him. Yeah.
6: Medical, ma- yeah. that math is yeah.
8: math
3: we're all going <laughs> to use someday. Right? For 100%, sure, percent. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. so, well, I think, uh, I, speaking of like Oliver and kids and things, yes. I think some kids probably need to get to bed soon because we're recording yep. this late in the States or early in Australia. Um, so I guess let's just round it out with, um, I guess one thing you'd like to accomplish this next year, whether that's as your podcast, yeah, let's go with podcast. Um, one thing you'd like to accomplish this next year as with your podcast or your podcasty related things, because I know there's there's layers to that for a lot of people, um, and uh, we'll uh, head out because you know we to talk about silly stuff forever. <laughs> Lewis and I were hoping to
2: uh, do a, do an OB for our uh, for our 100th hundredth um, episode, but because the uh, of COVID happening, that sort of coincided exactly with when 100 was. So we went 99, then 99 and a half, then 101. So at some stage, we've got to still record number 100. Now we're up to 129. So, you know, it's often the distant memory. So actually being wow. able to... Uh, stand face-to-face and, um, you know, make faces at Lewis in the same room. That's probably the podcast goal that I reckon we'd have this year.
3: (laughs) I mean, that sounds like a good goal. Something (laughs) achievable,
5: Yvonne. That's what we're going in
3: for. (laughs) Exactly.
5: (laughs) All right, I'll go next. I want to get on a plane, go somewhere and record a live podcast, which I was meant to do at the beginning of this year. I was meant to go to the UQ Um, conference and record a live podcast as part of that conference with two guests from the States, actually. And I was really looking forward to it and I had somebody lined up to record the live sound and for me that would be a challenge because obviously um, you're in front of an audience and you can't be sort of editing things out and um, and it would just be that added level of um, interviewing skills so for me that was the next challenge I wanted to do and thank you COVID I could not get on that place. first world problems but for me that's that's what I'd like to do and And, you know, within that is my wish that we can all start to get on planes and travel again because there's some kind of vaccine or some sort of development, obviously, with the virus.
3: I wholeheartedly think that's an amazing thing. And uh, Jordan and I agree with you because that was also one of our goals this year. Yeah, yeah. that's what we are supposed to do at ACVAM.
7: (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Tasha?
6: I mean, um, man, yeah, I just... (laughs) Yeah, I just need to put some out. I mean, it's a it's kind of a one woman show. Although um, my husband is my um, editor, so he's the one who you know I'm like, hey, we could edit this episode, <laughs> um, which he's you know he doesn't get paid for it all, and he's like, how did I get roped into this? And I was like,
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what husbands are for. <laughs> um, yeah. But
6: yeah, I think I just need to put out more episodes. Um, but again, in the interest of 2020 COVID craziness going on in the United States. And uh, just like right now, honestly, I don't have the bandwidth to like put anything else, put my energy into anything else. I just don't. And um, I want to be as ambitious as you guys. Uh, I'm just not there yet. Um, So hopefully I'm gonna get a couple episodes in before the end of the year.
7: Yeah.
3: Okay, nice. first of all, girl, like you are rocking with whatever you are doing as it is. So, <laughs> you don't have to add to your bandwidth. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you don't for have to sure. worry about that. Be you proud
7: of everything heavy. you've accomplished.
3: <laughs> yeah, right thing to yeah.
5: acknowledge as well. Keep
7: going. <laughs> all right, Jeff and Dave.
4: Dave? Uh, well, I've been working for the last, I don't know how long it's been, week, week and a half on actually getting a website started. Um, so we've been working on that. Um, we also did want to do a live episode at mm-hmm. IVEX, but that did not happen. Right. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to do that next year. Like, I would love yeah. to do that next year. But yeah, hopefully we'll see yeah. what happens. That's that's kind of where we're. But at Jeff
2: now. can get the banjo out yeah. too with your OB. Nice.
8: Yeah. Ding <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> yeah. ding 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 ding.
7: The website game is fun, isn't it?
4: Uh, it's. I mean. <laughs> We talked to somebody and they said, Oh, you could just do it through Squarespace or or GoDaddy or or Wix. They're all super easy now. And it's it's not that easy. It's there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot involved. And I'm I'm now actually a week and a half into it. I'm I'm starting to get the hang of it. But yeah. I keep finding new things to add and and new things that I can add on to it. So yeah. Hopefully and, soon and new
3: things that break the things that you brought up. Exactly. Fun. Exactly, yeah.
6: exactly. Yeah, that's my <laughs> favorite. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
8: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I, I want to just throw out there too, like one thing that we've really wanted to do with ours is like, and it takes sponsorship dollars to do it, but, um, you know, ultimately we would like to sponsor technicians to take their board exam wow. or go to, you know, a conference oh, to pay for them to that. go, yeah. you know, take their specialty certification exam or whatever it may be. And, and you know, we've kind of piecemealed some things together, but hopefully, um, you know, like As far as sponsorship, like we're not looking, like none of us, we're not making making money doing this. But like that's the one thing I think we really want to do is if we can bring sponsorship into the fold, is is to do those kinds of things. So hopefully in 2021, uh, maybe that'll be a little bit more in the cards. We have a couple things in the works, but nothing nothing concrete yet. Yeah.
3: Oh my god, that's that's great! That's an amazing way for you guys to give back too. That's really really cool. Yeah.
8: Yeah, yeah. How about you? How about you, ladies? With uh, I am. (laughs)
3: oh boy uh the next year let's see so we launched our membership site i don't know how long has it been now two months maybe
7: oh, no, no no it's only been like a month since full launch <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh it seems longer than that because i'm the one that's working on the website um yeah <laughs> uh yeah so we're gonna you know keep working on the membership site which which includes like the continuing education that's race approved um we would love to do interviews in person at conferences. Uh-huh. We had planned that as well for yeah. ACVM. Yeah. Um I love the idea of the sponsorship though, mm. that Jordan and I may have to talk about that. That's a great idea. Um, Cause yeah, I think, you know, helping give um, our community really cause it's it, all of us, right. We share a community, um, giving them something to get a leg up and uh, you know, do more than they thought was possible. I think is a big thing that, yeah. um, I, I know Jordan and I, that's our, our big thing is to make everybody be rock star technicians. <laughs> so yeah. cool. All right. All right. Well, um, so this was internal medicine for vet techs podcast, vet tech cafe, uh, radio vet nurse, two vets talk pets and the anesthesia nerds podcast. It's all of us. And, uh, we're just dorky veterinary people yeah. that like talking. So <laughs> thanks for listening thanks, to gang. all of us. Yeah. And uh, anybody else got anything else we need to add at the end of this one?
5: Happy Vet, yes, happy vet, vet Tech Week.
8: <laughs> ha- happy, happy Vet Tech Week. <laughs> happy, happy birthday. Week. Happy, birthday. I believe, <laughs> happy
5: birthday, yeah. can't believe you're the oh, big brother, yeah. yeah, Congratulations, mate. No, it's
1: amazing. Well done. Oh, no, I'm not, I know. <laughs> I, I feel so young, too look at die of a 50 mate. it's good thanks man
2: thank you that's good It's good my more
1: storage <laughs> you can put me on to, Lewis? it's fantastic
3: well thanks you guys it was super fun hanging out with you and uh you know we'll put links in every place possible for all the podcasts um have a wonderful week Yay. Yeah. absolutely Bye. thanks everybody Bye. for listening Bye, everybody Bye.
0: scratch your light on Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter,